All houses wherein men have lived and died are haunted houses. Through the open doors, the harmless phantoms on their errands glide with feet that make no sound upon the floors. Henry Wadsworth Longfellow. Greetings, creeps, and welcome to my podcast, This House is Haunted. Over the next several weeks, I'll be sharing my personal experiences of having spent two years in a haunted house in eastern Kentucky. Due to the spooky nature of this podcast, viewer discretion is advised as I take you into a world filled with things that go bump in the night. The holidays passed and true winter set its icy fingers deep into the mountains of eastern Kentucky. The snow was deep and wet, the kind that chills you to the bone the minute you step outside no matter how many layers your mama put you in. I thought we had left the bitter winters of Indiana behind, but they showed up here albeit a little later than I was used to, except now we had mountains and windy roads to keep travel limited during the winter storms. I don't recall what day of the week it was, but my siblings and I were on winter break from school, so I know it was sometime in January. My sister, having recovered from one heck of a head cold, was back to pouncing around the house, asking about a million questions a minute and keeping me preoccupied. If I were anywhere else, I would have been screaming for Mama and Daddy to come scoop her up and give me a moment's peace to either work on a drawing or read a book or something of that nature, but in the house, I was relieved that her voice filled up so much of my day because it left me little time to think about all the things that had happened since we'd moved in. I hadn't been back to the barn with Daddy since seeing the crawling thing in the loft that was certainly not a raccoon. Daddy hadn't asked and I hadn't offered, and over the next week I had spent the better part of it propped up in bed with my ankle bandaged and a never-ending array of cartoons cycling their way through the VHS player. Wayne had been drafted into helping out down at the barn and had gotten a pretty good scolding for always being over at Billy Bob's when there was work that needed doing. Wayne has said a few choice words, which promptly got his car keys taken away and the rest of winter break spent at home. When he wasn't helping Dad, he was in his room listening to Motley Crue on full volume until Mom banged on the door and told him to either turn it down or she'd have Daddy turn it down for him. He had stopped by to see me once while I was in bed watching The Secret of Nim and gave me a sketch pad he had found in one of his boxes as well as some charcoal pencils. He said he had noticed me drawing a lot before the move to Kentucky and thought I might like to pick it back up again. I'd given him the tightest hug imaginable and thanked him until he awkwardly backed out of the room and went back to teenage sulking. Once I was able to humble around the house without Mama tagging along behind me fretting, Sis and I had set up camp in the living room. We had been given a Care Bears tent in the loveliest shades of pastels for Christmas and we had set it up close to the bay window now that the Christmas tree had been taken down. We had various pillows and blankets scattered on the floor, making it a comfortable place to spend the afternoon, either playing with our My Little Ponies, arguing over Yahtzee, or watching a movie. I paused on one such afternoon and sniffed deeply of the air around me and only smelled the faint, sugary smell that wafted off of some of our toys, 
think strawberry shortcake. I hadn't smelled honeysuckle since Mamma had taken the doll from the house. And while I knew Mamma had told me not to trust anything that wasn't family, I missed the feeling of comfort that came from the Lady in White's presence. I'd seen a few darting shadows in the hallways as I walked to the bathroom to brush my teeth at night, but nothing like what I'd seen in the barn. It was maddening how something so jolting could happen and then days and sometimes weeks could pass with no events, leading me to question about what I had seen. Looking back, I feel like it was a means to manipulate me and foster a false sense of security. Time would pass and my memory would get fuzzy and it was easy to explain away the terrors I had seen as a trick of the light, a misunderstood sound, or a nightmare. I clung to the words of my mamma, one of the people I trusted most in the world, because she had sent something in the house just like me. In fact, she had seen a shadow that didn't belong in the house, had felt the darkness of several more. I was not alone. And I would feel stronger knowing that and would whisper, You don't belong here, get! Anytime one of the shadows had slipped around the corners. This seemed to work, as nothing more had happened and once the words were said, nothing else happened that night. I had been sleeping soundly, although my sister and I were still sharing a bed with Mama and Daddy. I needed a lot of help getting around when my ankle had first been sprained and I had refused to use the crutches which dug into my armpits and made me feel achy, so my parents had taken turns either carrying me the first couple of days and then helping to keep me steady after that. I hadn't had any nightmares. In fact, I hadn't dreamed at all since Mamma had visited. This made my days seem less long and dark and I was finding things I actually liked about the house. The bay windows gave a beautiful view of the valley below, which was snow-covered and glistening after the winter storms. I had seen several kids sledding and waved to them, but was too far away for them to notice. My sister had been pretty upset at first that we couldn't join them, Mom insisting that the only way we could get around was together, and I was injured and was unable to make the trek. But after Daddy set up our tent, she had been content to dream and play with me throughout the days in the living room. We had also started spending some time in our bedroom again, but usually only in 15-minute intervals and always during the brightest times of the day. Life was beginning to feel normal. Well, until the night my little sister was rushed to the emergency room. The day had been mild, both of us staying in our jammies for most of it and playing in our tent. Mom had made peanut butter cookies in the afternoon, and the house smelled inviting and warm. It was snowing heavily again, coating the world in white and covering up all the tracks from the sledding children. Dad and Wayne had just returned from the barn, Dad still fuming that he had yet to catch the raccoon he was certain had scared me. I was beginning to let myself believe it had been a raccoon even though mention of the barn brought a flash of an impossibly twisted and gaunt-faced thing crawling around the rafters. I shook my head, dispelling of the thought, and honed in on Mama's mention of the game Sorry, which was a family favorite. Sorry brought out our family's competitive side, and it wasn't long before we were howling and laughing at the ruthlessness in which we all played the game. 
It was even shorter still before Mama had taken over the game, and it made my soul smile to see her laughing and ribbing us playfully. We played a few rounds, with Mama winning each time and gleefully dubbing herself the Queen of Sorry, which brought more than a few giggles from us girls and a pretty hilarious scowl from Wayne. To make amends, Mama stated that Wayne could pick the movie of the night, and surprise, surprise, we would all be co-piloting along with Maverick and Goose once again in the world of Top Gun. And she also offered to make some of her Hershey's cocoa. Mama said that Molly and I should go change into some PJs that didn't have cookie crumbs all over them before we settled in for movie night. There had been very few movie nights where we didn't fall asleep and needed to be carried to bed, so taking care of changing into new PJs now was a good idea. After dragging our feet, we made the short walk to our room to grab the aforementioned PJs, making jokes about how loud Wayne would sing the signature song and how many words he would actually remember and not mumble along with this time, which was his signature move. Molly made the decision to change in the bathroom since she still needed to use the facilities, so I was left alone in the bedroom. I was in the midst of slipping on a flannel nightgown, still feeling pretty cheerful when I realized this was the first time I'd been out, alone at night in the house, and, well, since the night I'd been found in the playroom. Once the gown had settled into place, I stood very still, my hands tightening into fists by my side. My heart's pace increased, and I waited for the sound of Molly coming from the bathroom and could still hear her humming which meant she was still using the bathroom as she hated it to be quiet while she did her business. <sighs> Deep breaths, Tina. No need to panic. Things have been great lately. I hadn't heard or seen anything since the barn. <sighs> oh, eyes filled my memory, making it hard to catch my breath. Why did I have to think of those eyes when I was standing here all alone? Think of something else. Anything else. Cookies. Hot cocoa. Wayne's terrible singing, but nothing could push the vision of the thing in the barn out of my head. As I stood there, willing my mind to stop tormenting me, the room grew colder. No, this had to be in my head. I was freaking myself out. I mean, it was snowing outside, for goodness sakes. It was probably just a draft making its way through the house. This place was old, and, and there was that... A whimper escaped my lips before I could stop it as I heard something shuffle in the corner of the room closest to the playroom. Mom, I whispered hoarsely, my throat feeling tight and my tongue feeling heavy and clumsy in my mouth. But it was not my mama in the room. A faint whispering sound came from the corner at first and then as if surrounding me like it had in the closed my eyes tightly, feeling dizzy from the whispers that seemed to be filling the entire room. They were everywhere. The nightlight we kept on at all times blinked and then shorted out, leaving me in total darkness. The abrupt change in the lighting startled me and I stumbled, realizing I was no longer frozen in panic. As I instinctively reached out to grab something, anything to steady myself, my hand became so cold it felt as though I had plunged it into one of the snowy embankments outside. And then I was able to grab a hold of the dresser that I had just pulled my pajamas from. As 
I evened out my footing, still holding the dresser, I felt an impossibly thin hand gather around my wrist and squeeze. Long, thin nails were pressing into the soft flesh of my wrist, and I screamed now at the memory of the similar nails on the thing in the barn. I went to run and felt the presence close behind me as if chasing me from the room in earnest now. The whispers had stopped, but the smell of rotting meat filled the air as I made it to the hallway. Molly was exiting the bathroom as I ran, and her eyes widened with shock as I shouted, Run! It's here! That thing! It just grabbed me! Run! And not allowing her time to consider it, I pulled on her nightgown as she moved with me, tears of fear immediately filling her brown eyes. I was hopping as I ran, the sprain I had suffered at the barn making it painful with every step. My sister had always been faster than me, and she pulled away from me now and ran ahead of me, screaming, Mom! as loudly as she could. We ran through the living room that was now empty and made our way to the kitchen, confident that Mom would be there stirring the cocoa she had promised only moments before. The feeling of something just behind me never stopped, and I looked back at first seeing nothing and then finding that my nightgown was pulled taut as if something was gripping it from a few steps behind and pulling on it. I screamed again, calling for Mama and Daddy, but not seeing them as we entered the kitchen. Not daring to slow down without them in sight, we ran through the kitchen and then the dining room before pressing through the playroom and towards my brother's bedroom. I could hear him playing music back there and thought, Wayne, he'll help us. He's back there. My sister was still running several steps ahead of me, still crying and obviously thinking the same as me as she ran through the pitch-dark playroom and into the hallway connecting us to Wayne's room. She swung the door open wide and Wayne stood there in his own PJs, his large boombox stereo propped up on his bed. I felt something brush past me now and realized it must be reaching for Molly. I shouted her name, telling her to stop screaming for her to get to Wayne, but she continued towards his bed. I realized with horror she was going to run straight into his boombox and reach to grab her nightgown. As I did so, I felt something push my hand away, and I saw as she was propelled forward into the stereo, her head making contact with a sickening thud. My brother was standing with his hands on his head, confused for a split second about what had just happened before rushing to my sister and screaming, Mom! as loudly as he could. Mama must have been close having heard us screaming for her before because suddenly she was there, running across the room in her pajamas and her flannel robe. Her face twisted in fear as she noticed my sister was not moving on the bed, a tiny thread of blood seeping down her forehead. She fell to her knees just below my sister and gingerly lifted her from the stereo, calling for my dad. He was there only a couple of seconds behind her and immediately he said, I'll start the car, Burley. You get her wrapped up. We're going to the hospital now. Tina, Wayne, put your shoes on and coats. And then he was gone. I was shaking violently, not from the cold, but the shock of what I'd just witnessed. What had I witnessed? My sister was crying loudly now, and the sound reassured me that she was alive, and I took a breath, not realizing I'd been holding since she had been pushed. When I didn't move, Wayne picked me up and carried me quickly down the hallway, trying to keep pace with Mom. He stopped to grab his shoes and coat and then picked up mine before from the kitchen. He stopped to grab his shoes and coat and then picked up mine from the kitchen.
I hadn't realized that my sprained ankle was once again swollen and purple, most likely from the force I had put on it while running. I kept waiting for a skeletal hand to reach out and grab me, but nothing happened. We piled into the family Chevy Nova, which had gratefully been parked under the carport so Dad didn't have to take the time to rake snow from it. How we made it down that steep driveway in that weather condition in a car built for Florida winters, I'll never know. But he did, and it wasn't long before we were all seated in the community hospital's ER. They had taken Molly back immediately after seeing the gash in her head and Mom had gone back with her while Daddy sat in the lobby with Wayne and I. After several minutes of sitting in silence, Daddy asked, What were y'all doing running through the house like that, Teeny? I had to tell him the truth. This was too big. Sissy was in the emergency room. This couldn't be more serious. He might believe me. There was something in the bedroom. Daddy cut me off, his face looking older and strained. Don't you dare tell me a ghost did this, Tina. Your sister was hurt tonight, and I don't have it in me to hear about ghosts and anything else that mind of yours can dream up. Not tonight. Not now. But... I started and he shook his head looking disappointed. No, if you can't own up to what you did, that's one thing. But don't make up something either, Teeny. This cannot go on. Do you hear me? You had your sister scared half to death and you running on that foot. I'm going to have to see if a nurse can look at it too while we're here. I was crying and my brother, forgetting his cool teenager status in that moment, allowed me to burrow into his jacket and hide my eyes from daddy. Daddy was angry with me, really angry, for the first time maybe ever, and I felt alone. We were there for several hours, the hospital operating on a skeleton crew due to the weather conditions. Molly ended up getting quite a few stitches along with several popsicles and a yo-yo she hadn't come in with. I hadn't looked at Daddy since he had told me not to talk about what had happened or what he thought I'd made up. I didn't say a word to anyone, not even my mom as she came back up and kissed my forehead with tired eyes. My brother carried me back to the car and I curled up beside him, fearful of what else the house had in store for not only me but my family. It had touched, no, it had pushed my sister. It had hurt her. It could hurt us now. And no one, not even my sister, believed what had happened. I was resolute that I would find a way to protect my family, to keep something like this from ever happening again. I felt my teeth clench as we pulled up to the bottom of the drive. This would not happen again, I thought. Memo said it couldn't hold dominion over the living, and I felt stronger. But as the house grew larger and closer... A tiny voice also said, It can touch. It can push. What else can it do? Well, hello there, creeps. I see you've made it with me to the end of season one of This House is Haunted podcast. What'd y'all think of Push? I'm not ashamed to say it was one of the scariest nights of my life. 
And my sister and I argue to this day about what happened with Wayne's stereo. Let's just say I'm grateful music delivery has gotten a lot less imposing these days. I wanted to say thank you for sticking with me this season and inspiring me to write and dream again. If you like the show, I hope you'll consider sharing it with your friends and family to get the word out before season two starts in October. I'm a one-woman show, so every like, share, and review makes my little heart go pitter-patter. It sure would mean a lot if you would take the time to give me a rating on whatever streaming service you're using to help bring new listeners to the pod. You can also follow This House is Haunted podcast on Facebook and Instagram for updates and photos. Keep an eye out for special episode content while I work on getting things just right for season two, just in time for spooky season. Until we meet again, keep it creepy. And don't go chasing any voices you hear in the night.